She's Amy Els. We are physically distancing. Welcome to the show! <laughs> Crazy times, Scotty. It sure is, but we are doing our best to get the show out there. Absolutely, and this week we've got uh, a great Canadian artist all the way from uh, Alberta. He has uh, had a, a CCMA nomination. Uh, he has also been doing some living room lockdown sessions on his socials to keep everybody kind of together, and he's got a new album. Yeah, fingers crossed, dropped on March 20th. It is terrific. You guys have got to check it out. JJ Shiplet is an artist you're going to want to watch because I promise you in 20 years he's going to be a national treasure. Coming to us from his living room, it is JJ <laughs> Shiflet. How's it going? I feel like I haven't left the house in three weeks. Well, I know. I haven't put on pants with a waistband in about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, got, I, I recently did a gig for Lululemon and part of the perks of, of doing stuff like that is they gave me a full Lululemon outfit. And I've never had, like, yoga pants before. And I tell you what, pretty comfortable. Yeah, I know they are. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I definitely wouldn't have pictured you as a Lululemon wearer, but hey, everybody can become a convert, so. I still feel so weird saying it. But listen, my comfort level right now is so high that I can't, you know, like, you can't deny it. I know that uh, you've been doing your living room lockdown sessions on uh, your socials. Those are very cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's such an interesting thing. It, before we were in the, the situation, I don't think I, I would have ever even thought about doing it. I, it. It just wasn't something that really, like, uh, I, I really found that would even resonate with me, I think. Now that I've done it a couple times, it's, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's such a direct way. I mean, social media has allowed for this to happen. You, you, there's a direct way for artists to reach out to their supporters and for their fans to reach out to them. And that is, that is such a cool thing, such a cool opportunity. Like you go on, you go live and people can ask questions in the moment. They can have conversations with you. Um, and I, I think, I think that that's a really cool thing for artists to be able to reach out to your supporters that way. Do you think that when this is all said and done, these kind of uh, sessions from artists' living rooms and houses and wherever, do you think that that's going to continue? I think that some artists will continue doing it. I, you've already seen, you've already seen some artists have already jumped on board this. I, I know John Mayer for a couple of years now has done a show on his Instagram called Current Mood, and he just hops on there for a couple hours and chats. So I think you'll see art some artists be able to. Uh, utilize it in a positive way for themselves, and, and, and kind of like anything, some others won't, don't want to be doing that. I, for me, I think I'll keep doing it. I, I, I'm blown away by how much fun it can be in a moment, and how you can reach out to people. It, it's, it's just a little bit of human, human touch, you know. And even though it's not physical touch, but like it, it, it feels real. So like, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't keep doing it. For me, I don't know why I wouldn't keep doing it. I had also said at the end of this, uh, you know, with all of the movies we're watching, all of the TV shows we're watching, all of the music that is coming to us, when this is all said and done, I really hope people understand just how important artists are. I hope so, too. And, I, you know, I really feel I really feel that there's an opportunity for artists to, to recognize what they can bring to their communities. Um, so often it, you, when, you're, when you think about music, 
we think about it as in a in a massive global scale. There's there's a real important spot for music to fit in it within its community, and and obviously Canada not being a massive amount of people, that that community can be pretty big for us. Um, but the most important thing is that like you're you can do you can do good for your community by bringing forth music and giving people a an escape from the craziness that that we're all walking through by giving them some good music to listen to and some, oper- and some new stuff and fresh stuff for them to hear. Speaking of good music and fresh stuff and new stuff, we've got a brand new record that dropped March 20th, Fingers Crossed. Uh, I've been listening to it on repeat. It's fantastic. Congratulations. Hey, thanks, man. I'm glad to hear you've, uh, you've been able to even listen to it. I, I, um, I'm so happy that it's out. I, I worked my tail off on it. And... Um, I, I'm I'm so proud of it, and and it's 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 been such a, an incredible, an interesting journey throughout all this stuff to release an album in the middle of it, because a lot of the normal channels where you go to promote it and that sort of thing are all kind of they're not as uh, not as prevalent, but people are consuming music and they want to listen to it, and so I feel extremely fortunate. I've had a lot of people reach out to me over the past couple weeks. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me saying that they connect to it, that they've listened to it, that they're streaming it, that they've listened to it multiple times. And and I think to me, that's the coolest thing. Like to get people to listen to it more than once feels like a big win, you know? Mm -hmm. You had mentioned that these were incredibly personal songs. Tell us a little bit about uh, the, the journey to, you know, going from uh, the, the song on paper to the songs on the album. Yeah, I, um, you know, I made a decision about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now, um, that I felt like I had to ask myself some questions about what I wanted to do in music and how I wanted to approach it. And what I what I felt I was good at and what I felt people connected to. So when I did that, I the kind of the ground that I fell back upon was this idea that I wanted to be very honest in my music. And I wanted to sing about where I've been, what I've been going through, and how it's affected me in the situations around that. I think most artists do that in the first place. Um, that is kind of the whole point of creating art. But it's so easy to get lost. And I found myself a little bit confused on who I wanted to be as an artist. And so when I when I, when I did this record, I just decided to really buckle down on on telling some stories about where I've been, uh, what I've been going through and not being afraid to just be brutally honest about it. And I don't know if it's the right, I don't know if it was the right move or not, but so far I've had a lot of people reach out to me and, and say that they are, that they understand and they're asking the same questions and going through the same thing. And I, and to me, that's just, that's felt incredibly amazing for me. Well, for me, it's, um, you know, listening to this record and, and having, you know, seen you live, having heard, uh, you, you know, the older stuff as well. I find that while there is an evolution, what's always been consistent for me is that you've always had great songs. Those songs are delivered by this voice. You have this way of, of communicating a lyric that, I, I find to be exceedingly rare in music today. And the production has always served the song. So for me, that's the trifecta. You know, if you've got a great song sung well and the production is great, I think you've done your job. And, and I think you've really outdone yourself on this record. Hey, I, I, that, that means that means more to me than you know. Um, I, 
I co-produced this with a, with a good pal of mine, uh, Josh Rob Gwillem, out here in Alberta. And, you know, from the get-go, the plan was with the production to uh, really make sure that everything just pointed back towards my vocal and the lyrics. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lyric guy myself. Like, I've, I've always listened to music, and the lyrics were always the thing that grabbed me. I know everybody's kind of different. Some people like, you know, the actual production and music. I, I've always been a lyric guy, and so I, I wanted all the production to really be focused towards, the, towards my vocal and, and what I was saying. And so it's all, you know, like I, I kept it, I tried to keep it pretty simple and I wanted it to be meat and bones or meat and potatoes, I guess is the, is the thing. I wanted it to just be that and point towards that. And so I, I, that was kind of my goal all along was to just let that be the focus. And it's, inc- it's amazing how music and production can, when properly woven together, can really elevate a great lyric or a great song or a, a great vocal performance. I learned a lot in the in the making of the record and how to do that, and that'll be something that I I hope as I push forward my career that I always maintain. Is that something that you learned specifically with this record, or was that something that you've sort of been developing throughout your recording career? I think I've probably been developing it throughout my recording career. But I wasn't. I don't think I was ever as conscious of it as I am now. Right. I never understood. You know, like Bob Dylan always said. You know, Bob Dylan. You know, there's that famous quote: "You need three chords in the tree." And that there's so much truth to that. You can take three chords, and you can you can take those three chords, and then put some substitutions in, and have different chords over top of them, and invert those chords, and all of a sudden it becomes another level of the truth can get amplified even more. Sure. So I've just been trying to find my way to that. Like, how do you use music and how do you use, um, you know, almost like the Western, the Western musical scale to elevate what you're trying to say. And now I'm realizing that it is important and people need it and they want it. Especially today, you know, in the situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah. And and like, it, it has to be, kind of going back to what I was saying about community there, like with music as artists, we all have to find ways to really dig deep to make sure that we're in these hard times that we're, we're giving our supporters and the people who are listening to us some, some we're get we're, we're contributing to their experience throughout this positively. I love that. You had great success with your album, Something to Believe in, back in 2017. Of course, it was nominated for a CCMA. Did you find with this new album any pressures uh, to have that album perform the same way? I, you know, I think I did it first. Um, I, I, had a, I had a great experience with Something to Believe in. I, there were so many great things that happened in the moment around that even before the record came out because before the record came out i went on tour with johnny reed and it was such a great experience doing all that stuff and then when the record came out it came out with such a bang it was really able to roll and get some momentum for me um i I asked myself some pretty tough questions afterwards just about what how i would push forward and and i i think that at first i was i was really nervous about that Mm -hmm. And then as I as I've gone and as the um, as the as the sort of the rollout of fingers crossed has come out, I've recognized that like 
it's it's just such an awesome experience to be able to have people listen to your music and people have been listening to it. Yeah. And so I I just feel so like without being without you know, with the risk of being corny, I, which I don't want to be, I just feel so grateful that people are actually listening to it mm-hmm. and are able to find connection with it. I don't know what that means uh, career wise or, or anything like that. Um, Cause it's all so hazy right now. Everything in, in the world is just, it all looks so hazy, mm. but I, I'm just, I'm just so grateful that people are actually listening to it. We're also at a place, obviously I'm not an artist, but it feels like we need to compartmentalize our musicians. Like you're either pop, you're either country, you're either whatever. And one of the things I really like about you is that the uh, the lines are blurred. You, you're very rootsy, but you know, you've got some of that kind of Sturgill influence, but you know, some Neil Young in there. And I really like that. And is that something that's important to you to just be who you are? not necessarily fit yeah. into a category? Yeah, I mean, I everybody gets to do whatever they want to do. I, I am just a, I am just a smorgasbord of every <laughs> thing that I've taken in, you know, like I am I I was chatting with a friend the other day and we were talking about how people we we all listen to so many different types of music. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to listen to, like, I, I identified by a certain type of music that I listened to. And I know a lot of people still do that. And I think that that's okay. I, I end up listening to so many different types of music. Like I got, I have a, I have a pretty big record collection. It's full of classic country to some pretty heavy rock and roll to some great singer songwriters. And I'm just a byproduct of all that stuff. And so I, instead of getting too caught up in, what genre I am, I my main focus is just trying to make sure I'm writing great songs. Mm-hmm. And if it comes out as a rock and roll song, and it comes out as a rock and roll song, if it comes out as a singer-songwriter, sad, slow song, then it's going to come out as that. And I, I, I want to be a slave to the song more than I want to be a slave to anything else. Well, I was just going to say the same thing, JJ. I think that you know what you have uh, begun to carve out for yourself is an identity that allows for that you've got different flavors on this record you know and it's i i think the magic ingredient in that is serving the song you know you've got these great songs and you've served them with uh the way that you communicate them vocally and the way that you've produced them and i think that allows you as a songwriter to to veer country or to veer rock and roll or to veer you know stripped down singer songwriter and because you have allowed or at least pointed everything to your vocal that's the the unifying thing that brings it all together so i think you know as much as genre lines are starting to blur i think you do have this unique opportunity to kind of chase down whatever it is you want to chase down because you've built yeah. it the way you've built it and you know like i i feel incredibly grateful that the canadian country music scene has been welcoming to me because that that is one thing that um I've been able to recognize over the past couple of years that there's, there is a strong Canadian country music scene and it does, it has opened its arms to me and allowed artists like me or artists like Jess Mitchell or Kelly Prescott to um, kind of come in the door. And I think that that's incredible. And I'm so grateful for that. And as I push forward, I, 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 I try not to, I try not to, I try to remember that, you know, I try to remember that, that, there's a, there's a great community that has opened the doors to me. 
Scotty, before we were talking to JJ, you were mentioning the first time you saw him play. Yeah, I saw you uh, at one of the CCMA uh, gala events. And uh, that's a tough room. And, you know, I just remember sitting there thinking, holy crap, this dude has stopped the room at an industry function. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's that's a, a step in the right direction right there, you know? You know, yeah, um, I played my song Waters off of Something to Believe in that time. It was actually, it was for a memoriam, in memoriam. And it was the year that Leonard Cohen died. And, and I remember I was, you know, it was the, the, you could hear a pin drop in the room. And then Leonard Cohen's name came up and everybody clapped. And I was like, what's going on in this song? <laughs> did, I, did I just do something? Did I just do something? And then afterwards, my manager told me that that's what happened. But that was a great experience. And then, you know, the same thing it happened that night. Uh, Jess Mitchell got up later that night. Yep. And she played one of her songs. And it was just, it was an incredible experience of, like, just, raw talent um, being pushed to people in the industry just fully recognizing. And, yeah, totally unencumbered by bullshit too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I saw you play at uh, Boots and Hearts in uh, Oro Medante back in 2017 and I just thought that that was my first um, uh, experience seeing you and it was absolutely fantastic and so when you had said it's really cool that people are like listening to your music but they actually really are listening and relating to your music and that's got to be uh, that's got to be an amazing feeling and it, being that it's a huge festival too that's probably a whole different ball of wax for you right JJ yeah those those things can be so intimidating especially when you're really trying to get your your songs across a lot of times those types of festivals are, are uh, people are having a great time and they're they're celebrating um, I think earlier on in my career I'd get frustrated but now I just like it I like one of those I like I mean now I'm missing it because not most of them doesn't mm -hmm. feel like they're gonna happen but um, I, I like those I like those types of things and they always bring together so many great musicians that you know boots and hearts that year we played and then after us Lindy Ortega played and Lindy married uh, my old guitar player who's one of my best friends and so it was such a great experience because we kind of all came together. And uh, we got off stage and we and we ran over and watched her set, and so I, I love those types of things and being a part of them and and I just I just hope that we're all able to do them again this summer. Would you rather uh, play a giant festival where you can't a actually pick out people's faces? Is that less intimidating, or do you like the more intimate settings where you can see everybody's faces watching you? Well, is there a is there a option to select both? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that they both have a place. Yeah, you know, like I, there's there's something awesome about just being in front of a huge uh, crowd where um, you can just kind of sing your heart out and see what happens, see how they react, and there's there's a sort of a really honest interaction that can happen there, where if you're just used, I get up there and I sing my guts out, and they they're you have a whole crowd of people who are um, who are there willing to engage. Often, you know, when you go to a festival, you, you go to listen to music, and so everybody's on the same page. And that's a really, really, really cool experience, especially if you're able to win them over. That's, that's an incredible uh, opportunity. That's an interesting question, too, for me. Um, do you prefer, uh, I, I know they're both great, but do you prefer the interaction with a crowd live? Or do you prefer the uh, sort of introverted reality, I guess, of uh, writing and recording in the studio? You know, it, to me, it's all different. Like, I, in the moment when I'm playing live and, and you're able to, 
you know, you got the you got the boys in the band who are, you know, your best friends and you're out there playing and you rock a crowd and it just it kicks ass. And then afterwards you see people's reaction and they come up and chat with you and tell you that you love it. That's incredible. I also just as equally love being at home writing and I have a studio and going to the studio and, and recording and being creative for me. I, if I could do both for the rest of my life, I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. If I'm afforded the opportunity, I'll take, I, I love interacting with people and I love that feeling. I also love being able to create that being able to create sounds and hopefully reacting with people where there's nothing, there's no payback for me. It's just people listening to it at home and I don't I don't know that they're listening to it but hopefully they're finding some healing or some connection to it. Who are some of uh, some uh, people who you have creatively jived with whether it be writing collaborating what have you? There's been a lot of over the years there's a few people that I, I really reach out to um, for guidance as I walk through the industry who are who are close who've become close friends of mine um there's a fellow here in Calgary. His name is Michael Bernard Fitzgerald. He's a singer-songwriter. And uh, he's become a good pal of mine. And he wrote a couple songs with me on the record. And we just we work really well together. We kind of come from, we, we come from very different approaches. But it's cha- and so it's challenging for both of us. And we both really enjoy that. A good friend of mine is Dustin Bentall, who's Barney Bentall's boy. And uh, Dustin wrote a song on the album with me again. And me and Dustin approach things very similarly. So it's a really interesting thing when we get to write because we so often it's it's there's less of a it's less of hard work and it's more of just flow. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different kind of things that you can that ways you can approach it. Um, I feel pretty fortunate because there's been a lot of great singer songwriters and people in the industry who have helped me and, and helped hone my craft. I'm still trying to reach out to more and find more and 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 hopefully keep honing that. So people listening to this, reach out to JJ <laughs> for some collaborations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know, like I, I feel, I feel, I feel fortunate between you know Lindy Ortega, who's, a, who's become a great friend of mine, has been such a huge supporter in my career and my writing. And you know, I, I just did a show a couple of now a couple months ago in the middle of February with uh, the Roadhammers, and just chatting with Jason and learning from him is such a cool opportunity for an artist like myself because mm-hmm. that's a that's a pro that's somebody that i grew up watching like born again in dixieland oh is so still one of my favorite so good favorite songs born again in dixieland was one of my faves from jason so much so i learned how to play it on the flutes totally please live stream that <laughs> i should that's, that's great. amazing he thought it was hilarious but please continue with your thought there i was so rudely interrupted well, uh, yeah i you know like this this is just i i think the thing i'm learning about this all right now is that this, this is just community based um and if you reach out to community and you, and you give something of value you oftentimes can get way more in return mm-hmm. and so i that's kind of the thing i've been learning about this you know a little little bit of a change but i you know the first live stream i did i somebody in the crowd set up a gofundme and they raised thirty five hundred dollars and i didn't ask for it i didn't i didn't promote it it was not, it was just a natural thing that happened and to me that felt incredible that felt like a community came together mm-hmm to support me and 
so I have to make sure that I'm doing my role in the community to give music and, and have people an opportunity to have an escape from the reality from, or have connection or escape whatever they need in the moment from what they're currently going through. And so it's the same thing with the overall arching of the industry. It, you know, there's, it's such a great, it's such a great community. How do I, how do I learn to just give more? And um, in my experience, the more you do that, the more you get back. Absolutely, one hundred percent. My dog just walked into the room and choked. <laughs> Buffalo, right? <laughs> yeah, that's Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. But right before you called, I uh, my dog was his name's Louis. He's a Boston Terrier, and he was upstairs making all kinds of noise. That's cool. Hi, Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I you know I shaved Buffalo the other day, and he's not too happy. No, <laughs> no. Now you're on a sh- list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we uh, turn you over to uh, to your uh, next interviews, um, we wanted to ask you to turn us on. We want to know what you're reading, what you're listening to, what is something amazing, something on TV that's great. Share uh, something that you are absolutely loving right now. Okay, so I can, I, I'll throw a couple things at you here. This is what my um, my lockdown has has been like um going back to the yoga pants i took up yoga nice i've never done yoga before i i used to i toured with a bunch of guys who in the morning they would wake up and they would go do yoga and i was always struggling just to get out of bed in the morning from staying up too late mm-hmm. so Musician I, um, <laughs> yeah so i i uh throughout this time i've taken up yoga doing lots of beginner classes trying to learn how to do it apparently you get pretty sore um, I just, for reading, I just finished reading a classic novel by Kurt Vonnegut. I'm a big Kurt Vonnegut fan. Uh, in 1959, he had a book come out called Sirens of Titan. It's like a sci-fi book, um, which I'm not normally a sci-fi person, but, um. But Kurt Vonnegut sci-fi I, is a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a different level of it. So I just finished reading Sirens of Titan. Um, so that would be a suggestion there. For music... Um, you know, because I'm, I, me and my wife, we've been doing lots of, uh, fires here at our house. We have a, a fire pit or a fireplace in our house. And, um, so what we do is we, we get a big fire roaring and then we put on records. So I've been trying to find my way through different records and sorting through what to listen to every day. And, um, there's a, there's a Kathleen Edwards who's from Ottawa. She has a record called Voyager, and it came out in 2013. And it was produced by uh, Justin Vernon from Bonnie Bear. And it is one of my favorite records of all time, and we just been putting it on repeat. My wife's actually learning one of the songs on piano. Nice. So that's that's kind of where we've been at, Kathleen Edwards' Voyager. Love it. We've been trying to listen to all Canadian music. Mm-hmm. We, we, we both put up put together playlists. We just figured, like, along with supporting local beer companies, you know, around here in Calgary by ordering beer we've been all the wine we've been drinking has been we've been trying to focus on making sure it's Canadian wine and so we've been doing the same thing with our music just trying to make sure that we're we're uh, listening to lots of Canadian music I love that all right, uh, JJ, now we've got one last thing for you here. And don't think too too hard on it. It's called five questions. A song you wish you wrote. A song I wish I wrote. Um, oh, oh, the weight by the band. Nice. Nice. Musician you'd love to tour with. Dead or alive. Dead. Okay. Okay. Whoa. Um, <laughs> oh, this is so, so challenging. I, I think that I would say Tom Petty. 
Cool. Sweet. Okay. What is one instrument that you don't know how to play that you would love to learn to play? I'm going to say the piano. I, I, I can, I can like chord on the piano. Actually, no, I'm going to change that to violin. Done. Violin. Okay. Well, violin. if ever, if ever you change your answer to flute, I'm your girl. <laughs> <laughs> Call it, we could do some online flute. Lessons. Exactly. What is this? <laughs> what is the strangest thing you've seen while performing? The strangest thing I've seen while performing. Oh my goodness. Um, like other than nobody in the room when I've done those types of shows. Yeah, we've all done those. <laughs> um, I I played this one show opening for the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and uh, it was my birthday. It was my I, it was my thirty first or thirty second birthday, so just a couple years ago. And the promoter, I'm, I'm 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 the promoter comes up to me and he's like, "Listen, you're going on from eight to eight thirty, and you can't go a minute over that." And I'm like, "Okay." You know, as the opening band, you're you know you're you're pretty used to that stuff. So eight thirty or eight oh five comes along, and the promoter's on stage talking still, and I'm I'm getting frustrated here because I know I got to be done at eight thirty sharp. And now, meanwhile, the tour manager for Nitty Gritty Dirt Band comes over and he says, "You know, you got you can just do your set, do your half hour set. It's okay." So I get I finally get up on stage. It's about eight oh eight after the promoter stopped talking, <laughs> and so I'm. I'm in the middle. I'm like, I'm singing my butt off. I'm trying to move through the songs quickly. And I'm hearing noises on the stage. And behind me, the promoter is setting up an auction. While you're playing? All these things. And he's, I, I'm in the middle of, I'm in the middle of like a, my, my like soft song. What kind of gig was this? This was, it was um, at a rec center in, um, I don't even remember really say what the town was, Northern Alberta. Like a small town deal? Yeah, small time people, but the whole town's there, you know? Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. And so I'm pouring my heart out, and everybody's listening to me. They're dead quiet. It's an awesome time. And I'm just hearing all these bangs and clunks and sounds behind me. This guy's not even worried about what I, about my about making too much noise. He just doesn't care. Right. And I, I, I just started making up lyrics in the spot about this guy behind me because I was like, the whole crowd, I think, was kind of going, what is happening right That's now? amazing. <laughs> All right, last question. Uh, stage you would love to play? Okay, I'm going to say I've, I've already played it once, and I'm going to get greedy here. Um, so pardon me. But I've played Massey Hall twice, and I know that they're renovating it right now, and it's still a ways away. Uh, my, my ultimate goal is to headline a show at Massey Hall. Great job, dude. JJ Shiplett, thank yeah. you so much for uh, chatting with us. All the best in 2020, and uh, we'll get through this whole uh, COVID-19 thing, and you'll be back on the road. Hey, thank you for all the support, and thanks for chatting, and uh, good luck on your lockdown there, eh? Thank you very much. Thanks, dude. Fingers hey, crossed this record kills it for you. Hey, I appreciate that so much, and, I, <laughs> and thank you very much for listening to it. That's like That's been my number one thing about it all. I just want people to give it a shot. You know, I know it's a little bit out there for some of the, you know, for Canadian country. I just wanted to give it a shot. Love it, dude. Keep doing what you're doing. That was a lot of fun. What a good guy. I told you, man, he's going to be a national treasure. It's just a matter of time. Congratulations on the new album and make sure to check out his socials where you can uh, stream that. And speaking of socials. Yeah, he's JJ Shiplett on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. You can find us at the show on the go. 
and we'd love to connect. So shoot us a message and uh, let us know who you'd like to see or if you have a specific question for a specific artist that we haven't had on yet. We will bank those, okay? So drop us a question. Let's say, I want to know what Johnny Reed has in his sock drawer. We'll ask him. So shoot us all your weird questions at the show on the go. She's Amy Oust. He's Scotty Kipfer. Welcome to the show.